Hello everyone and welcome to the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sorechomp. Our mission is simple, to discuss the video games we are playing, to discuss gaming together, and to discuss all the issues surrounding gaming while we cultivate a community of people who want to discuss everything surrounding it. It's that time of the month. We're on a period. <laughs> I just wanted to leave that lingering for a sec. I'm sorry. I wrote that and I was like, oh shit, there's a joke. I was like, in does there. he want me to say something? <laughs> no, I I I I realized as I wrote that, I was like, oh, there's a joke in there. Unintentional. Man, but thanks. I had a thanks. joke, but I was kind of busy eating peanut butter. So <laughs> it's like not too easy. Just like that dog. Anyways, we have a debate of swords. Well, the dog's on- busy too. Oh, okay. On its period. We have a mm-hmm. debate of swords on our hands. You know? The last few Debate of Swords episodes have been pretty fun, but they really haven't been that contentious. They've been primers for the more argumentative and difficult ones. I have a feeling that this one is going to piss some people off. This week, we are going to be debating in favor of indie games are more creative than AAA games. I think it's no secret that we are lovers of indie games here, but we also enjoy AAA games. So this one may prove difficult. (coughs) I'm really excited to see how it goes. And after that, we will be discussing games that we played this week, such as Splatoon 3, Lost Judgment, Outbound Ghost, Castle Crashers HD Remaster, and Puyo Puyo Tetris. We will round out the show with our Patreon shoutouts. And Josh wants to squeeze in a last video game of... Taiji. Taiji. We all talked right, about that cool. last week, but I've got a few more thoughts. So, Okay, all right. Let me pencil that in really oh, quick. Yeah. It's penciled in, Josh. Just I like don't know that. what we did last week. That show had, like, no structure. The host was terrible. Mm. Eh, you shouldn't sell yourself. I'd fire short. him, but he wandered off before I could do anything about it. And you know what's crazy is they <clears> paid <throat> me, like, $2 million for that episode, and that's my quote. That means that they have to pay me that for every episode, even if I do a bad job. Who's they? Let's just keep going. Oh, okay. Well, let's jump into the intro so we can get you familiar with the voices that you've already heard and will be hearing today. Uh, First off, my name is Shay Layton, and I will be your host for today, Uh, unfortunately for you. Your ghost host. (laughs) Yes. Can we get a door creak in there? (laughs) Was that good? That is the worst O sound I've ever heard. I'm joined by a hell of a man and editor. He's known around these parts for putting fingers to keyboard as he slings out reviews with a ferocity not seen since the remote control trying to escape the bed on which Paris Hilton was plowed on in the porno that every millennial knows about. Please welcome to the show, Rich Meister. Rich, how you doing today? Uh, I'm pretty good, man. Uh... I had, um, uh, two, three days ago, I can't remember what it was, I got the new, uh, COVID booster, mm. and I got it on the same day I got the flu shot. Oh, damn. And it felt like I had been lying awake all night being beat with a sack of oranges. Did you, did you ascend, like, mentally ascend, with all that 5G rushing through your fucking body well that that's the thing right i got two government chips at the same time 
Mm, that uh, interference is a mistake because the Wi-Fi interference was crazy, and uh, my debit card wouldn't work. That's so weird. So you'd think like two negatives would cancel each other out. It's apparently not the way that that works. Mm. Um, Fucking liberals. But yeah, I don't know. I went out. I got a. I got a new phone to so the government could stop tracking me. Fucking libtards, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> fucking beta cucks. <laughs> fucking beta male bitches. I haven't got um, to say beta cucks in a while. Since you that fucking beta cuck. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Anything else exciting? I'm trying to... I'm racking my brain here. Um, oh, the, exciting. I could talk about this, I guess. Exciting content. This might mean something to some people. It'll mean something to Josh. Um, and it'll mean nothing to a lot of people. Okay. Uh, but in I'm terms of it. like some good content we're going to get for some early review access in the month of October... Um, I recently, via Twitter, spoke to one Robert Boyd about his game, uh, right. and he's going to be getting that our way uh, sometime in October. Hey, there you go. Who's that? Uh, Z-Boyd Games, they're big RPG uh, folks, the Cosmic Star heroine people. Um, he's working on a JRPG that is a, uh, via his words, um, it is a mashup of uh, Shakespeare and Magical Girl anime. I love it. I love it. I'm already on board. Yeah, it looks pretty great. I don't Say know no which more, direction bitch. I want to take that. I, I, I don't know if I want all the transformations to have ruffled collars or... Uh... Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what it ends up yeah. looking like. Yeah. Say no more. I'm excited. Uh, one more question before we move on to the next introduction. Rich, have you seen that porno? What? Have you seen that porno? He, he, he is a I younger millennial here. This might have been before his time. That's true. Or maybe I just missed something. What, what are we <clears> talking <throat> about? The Paris Hilton porno that I referenced. I, I, I know of the Paris Hilton porno. I don't remember. Have you what, Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I wasn't catching what you're doing. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Now I just feel lost. Okay. Okay. Well, have you at least seen Two Girls, One Cup? Unfortunately. Okay. Well, at least you've seen something bad. He's a podcast host, Shay. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like irresponsible for him not to have the context of Two Girls, One Cup. Have you seen yeah. One Guy, One Screwdriver? Uh, I have seen... Uh, I don't know if that one specifically. There's a number of those things, like the Pain Olympic stuff. Yeah. 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 Why are we talking about this? Because next we're going to introduce the next host. I'm also Speaking joined of by pain. the... <laughs> Tyler Perry is here. Hey, what's up? I am also joined by the audio engineer extraordinaire who makes sure to delete all unwelcome sounds, such as coughs, grunts, table hits, moans of pleasure and hearing bad things happening to bad people, sneezes, orgasms, dropped items, and queefs. Please... <laughs> Please welcome to the show, Josh Fowler. Josh, how you doing? I don't have one in me. I was, I was, I was, I was trying to cue up a queef for that joke, but yeah, I guess <laughs> there's something wrong with queef. Queef sounds like that, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, no, that's just that's way too tense. It? If 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 you get a queef that sounds that high pitch, they're not relaxed <laughs> enough. You slow down, slow down, check it back up. Maybe maybe. I don't know. So you need some water, you know, 
renegotiate that consent. You just the queef yeah. should not be that <laughs> tense. You should get something in writing at mm-hmm. that point. It, it should sound like yeah. a guy whispering to a motorboat. That's what the queef should sound like. Mm-hmm. Or it could be not just a guy. Anybody whispering to a motorboat. Anybody can do it. Whisper to a vagina. Yeah, but I mean, all things considered, Josh, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, yeah. 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 I've been. Uh, it's, it, we, we we talked weather last week, so so why not be this boring again? But it, it's starting to get colder here, so mm. the the garden is slowing down, and I'm. Uh, we are having weather. Yeah. Trying trying to uh, get get whatever last little bit I'm gonna get out of this garden at this point uh, before transitioning into my fall crops i like that so and you know like you dislodged something that ha- wait we did a show i think three weeks ago i didn't mention something and it's been sitting in my brain this whole time josh mm. and i wanted to discuss it with you guys and if if you don't mind i want to discuss it right now really quickly because we watched that nintendo direct like three weeks ago and we discussed it right okay i have Prove a it. theory and bear with me. It's going to sound a little bit crazy, but I promise you there's some sense of reality to it. So we saw a ton of farming simulators in that Nintendo Direct, correct? There were a ton of them? Yes. Fair to yes. say. My theory is that because it's like all through Nintendo, and granted a lot of them are indie devs and stuff like that, but Nintendo promoted them so heavily because they're... There's a problem in Japan right now um, due to inflation and due to, you know, the current events of what's happening in the world right now. Not to get too heavy into that, obviously, we're mainly about comedy and gaming, but because of that, Japan is is having I have a nephew who's really into inflation. A lot of problems with importing right now, and the people who farm in Japan are really old. And they farm the same things because they're old. They don't want to learn how to farm new things. I don't so care about cash crops. <laughs> kind of, yeah. So right now, there is a, when the, the older generation dies out, that there's going to be a problem because not enough young people are getting into farming, mm-hmm. right? So my theory is that it's within the greater realm of possibility because of how the government works here that the government is trying to use they're mandating farming games <laughs> to to influence people to get into farming that's what the yeah. whole point of harvestella is they just want the kids to be like do you really have to fight goblins when you're a farmer and old people just have to be like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about sure <laughs> that 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 was a theory that i wanted to talk about three weeks ago and josh you dislodged that thankfully yeah, Thank you very much yeah. for doing that. I mean, that sounds reasonable, considering it was from the Nintendo Direct. I'd, I'd probably go more along the lines of, you know, they, they, they want us complete wastelings to be not completely confused by the prospect of growing our own food in three months when society collapses. Right. But God, honestly, I can't wait at this point. I'm just so tired. Let's just get it over with. Every week with you, Rich. Every fucking week. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> No, no, it's all good. But actually, I had something. I was, I was talking with a friend about this last week, and I'm gonna take this whole idea a step further. 
because I want to see what you guys think. Because I'm, I'm of course, the resident economist and business person here at Sorechomp. I clearly know what I'm talking about when all, when it comes to all things business and economy. Mm-hmm. But I have a theory as a way to jumpstart the farming industry in Japan, and also make it. I don't want to say better socially here, but more diverse socially. Opium? Okay. You're close. I I'm in. Want, I think that Japan should just, like, within a few months, legalize weed completely. The growth, cultivation, and smoking of it. And the reason why is this. Because, they're, like, the yen is weak, weaker Smoke right now than it's... weed every day. It's weaker right now than it's been in... Yeah decades it's incredibly weak right now and um of course like we just talked about with the farming problem so they would yeah. make weed legal you're gonna get younger people into farming again and that's sexier possi- people <laughs> yeah, and that's possibly. possibly transferable um you know like if they just start like farming weed and they they get into that then maybe you have other people saying you know farming's actually kind of cool and you're getting people back into farming Worst case scenario, you have a bunch of weed that you can sell elsewhere, but uh, I just, but anyways, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, bear with me. Okay, keep going, keep going. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I promise you will have all the time. This is a multi stage project, Rich. I really thought about this. I really thought about this. This goes all the way to the top. (laughs) So, the government subsidizes that, which helps um, boost the economy because a few months ago. The Japanese government came out and said, in order to boost the economy, young people need to start drinking more because they haven't been drinking enough, which is fucking bizarre to me. That, that, I mean, that's that's, a, that's very whole bizarre to me, for, considering We don't everything think we can else. make them any more depressed. We have no angle. Right. Yeah, like they're doing everything they possibly can to drive us to drink at this point. What... In you know, Japan, they, for sure. Yeah. Are they making their alcohol at home? Something's got to give. Right. So that, that's, that, that is something that came out from government, the government here. Like, young people the need government. to drink more to boost the economy. It's fucking bizarre, but anyway. I think we did talk about this, though, and I think what you, you, you yeah, were that, saying, that well, what I pointed point. out, at least that you, like, kind of confirmed, because this is always my understanding of Japan's culture, was that, like... Uh, COVID would have had a pretty big impact on that because so much of Japan's drinking is like this extension of yeah. drinking after work culture. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's where this theory, like my idea of legalizing weed, also affects. Yeah. Because here's the that thing: way you guys can all go out and get fucking, high after work. Well, that's what I'm saying. People go out and get piss ass drunk. Mm-hmm. There are people sleep like passed out in the streets on weeknights sometimes. This has nothing to do with because of these drinking parties and. They have to go to work hungover the next day. What if instead of having these drinking parties, they go somewhere where it's, of course, legal and controlled and everything. It's similar to like a bar or an izakaya, which is a Japanese pub. And the workers just go after work and smoke weed together and just laugh and then get the munchies and then go home. And I don't know how this subs- hasn't happened with the... Uh, <coughs> um. Just that, that sort of cafe culture and everything so far. You, you That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, I, like I'm not, like, I don't, I don't smoke weed, obviously, A, being in Japan, B, I'm not really interested in it, but I'm saying it makes so much fucking sense. It would boost their economy, it would get people in the farming, it would help with the, the social drinking culture, because it's another option. Like, there mm-hmm. are a lot of people, Japanese people, who are like, I don't like going to those parties, but I feel like I have to go. Um, you know, like what if they weren't into drinking, but they were willing to, you know, 
smoke a little bit of weed. It being legal. I'm not a big drinker, but I'll if you have opium, I'll take some. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like to me, it made so much sense when I was thinking about it. You know, like yeah, I mean, it did, but also you were high at the time, so I was not high at the time. (laughs) But like, I'm telling you guys, I think there's something here. But obviously, it would go on deaf ears with the Japanese government because it takes like 50 years for them to change anything. All I want is an Mm -hmm. American take on this, where there's like a guy in a boardroom and he's like, "What's the problem with farming in Japan, guys? You know, we need to make farming sexy again." So I mean, <laughs> not this angle, but, but the whole yeah, yeah, that's that's great, Rich. The, the, the whole in the field, how, how we get old people on board for the whole weed thing. For for about the last two weeks, I've been getting these ads that are just an old boomer <clears throat> talking about how weed is legal in your state now, which is incorrect. I live in North Carolina. I don't know where they're getting my location. And you data email from. him back, and you're like, seriously, dope. <laughs> but anyway, it's this old white guy standing by his pickup truck. Talking about how this weed that you can order on the online gets him, uh, uh, I can't remember what's his exact words, like good and baked or something. Um, <laughs> good, but anyway, but th- this devil's lettuce is top notch, yeah, Sonny Jim. Yeah, anyway, it's, it's this, it's this boomer this talking about how, how convenient it is to have weed delivered to his house. Um, mm. a- anyway. We, we, I, we, I we need create this my own. guy, this old boomer equivalent in Japan, to to start pushing for this. farming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want I I want to create. Uh, by the way, this is a great idea. You all can take this for free. I want to create a weed delivery service where you're ordering it online, and there's a slider uh, when you're going through the menu, and you can pick how sketchy the guy who brings it to you is. Yeah. I well, like I mean, what makes sense? Really, is to just have the you know like like any other place you get your delivery radius that shows you yeah. about about how long it's going to take for your order to get there. Mm. But instead, it's how much of your weed the guy delivering it will smoke by the time it gets to you. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> and it also is paired with um, Uber Eats because that yeah, way you know like plan. in a radius how quick you can access a cheesecake. Because uh-huh. you need to access a cheesecake when you're high. You're gonna, you're gonna want one. Like, where is the nearest Taco Bell? I need this information. Yeah, yeah. Because that whole, you know, buying a crust and and no bake on in the uh, in the grocery aisle is is too much planning ahead for. Uh, it's a lot. Yeah, honestly, I'm mm-hmm. saying the cheesecake is already made for you. You're exactly. Like, hey, I gotta get it. Uh, cheesecake. It's fucking cheesecake. Are you <laughs> watching wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that was my uh <laughs> because of Josh dislodged the that the whole thing with farming. Mm-hmm. Sorry guys, it's been on my mind for a few weeks. No, no, it's it's fine. I needed a platform to announce it. Yep. yep. You're a weird guy. Weird guy. It's a weird guy. Anyways, let's do the actual topic. Let's actually talk about video games now. Let's get back to it. Um video games. Now before Okay. I right. Before we actually jump straight into the topic, I just want to preface it really quickly. When we do these Debate of Swords episodes, the topic we choose doesn't necessarily mean that we completely feel in favor of what we're arguing for. Rather, it's kind of a challenge to ourselves to argue for something regardless of our personal beliefs. So it has the potential to be spicy, but just realize that this topic is all in good fun and we're just taking the piss out of ourselves and whatever we're arguing for. This so. has nothing to do with piss. 
<laughs> we did say that before the show. Mm-hmm. With that out of the way. Who's being clear? Yeah. <laughs> Unlike the piss. Let's begin. I'm um, so dehydrated. <laughs> drink water for Just pussies. can't be bothered to find anything to drink at this point. It's water, like wood plants, <laughs> like in the, from the toilet. <laughs> so, that my fucking beta cuck dog drinks out of the toilet. Anyways, uh, indie games content. are more creative than AAA games. Uh, we're going to kick off. We're saying Correct. that this is true. We are in favor of this. Rich, why are indie games more creative than AAA games? Uh, I'm going to put a spin on this and say that like a big part of this is... Um, uh, ugh, fucking disgusting. Um, that's going to be edited <laughs> out, I hope. Leave my fart in. That's... Uh, <laughs> Edit something weirder in. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, edit in like a moan. Uh, <laughs> and leave my part in. That's fucking disgusting. Like an elephant sound? I don't know. Um, <laughs> a baby crying? That's fucking disgusting. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I think a big part of uh, what gives indies kind of that space is actually like they're. Indie games have a better, bigger license for creative freedom. Because mentally, like, to me, when you're talking about an indie game, you're talking about something that is not being put out by a big-name publisher, which means there are no expectations of a big-name publisher. Like, there's no big corporate entity overseeing the project and having demands and do's and don'ts. And because of that, you know, indie games are usually the passion projects of a handful of people or a small development team that, um are just sort of making the thing they want to make and they have a larger license to be creatively free with it and to take uh, more risks than a big company like a Square Enix or an EA would. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel, I feel really similarly to the way you're saying right now, because you think about like when we were growing up, uh, I think it felt like a time where if you had a video game idea and like all of us who are interested in video games, we were like, oh, I have a I have a great video game idea. And you start writing out the premise on a piece of paper uh, back when people actually bought paper from, you know, we uh, all steal brick and paper these stores. days. Yeah, I need to get list supplies. So you were writing your idea down and there was the the idea of. If I really had a top-notch idea, I could try and sell it or get it noticed by one of the dev developer companies out there, and they would take my idea, and I could create this game with their backing. You know, there's always that kind of pie-in-the-sky type of thing. And, um, yeah, there, there, there was always that... Just destroyed me from the past. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. (laughs) 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 Rich, do you want to say what you typed or no? No, I really don't want to say it. Yeah, no. Anyway, yeah, Rich put something in chat like a good fifteen minutes ago. I just noted noticed it and lost my shit. I didn't I didn't see it until you said <laughs> started laughing instead of Josh. Uh, uh, but I mean there's that kind of like you know that that 
that hope that that could be achieved somehow. And nowadays, it seems like de- developers um, are largely beholden to shareholders and what the, what the CEOs of the company at, at large want. Unfortunately and fortunately, I guess it all depends on how you look at the situation. So it feels like indie games and the creation of those feel like they have more free range to do what they want in a video game. Um, Josh, where do you kind of fall in this? You know, just these initial thoughts. Um, I mean, yes, uh, obviously, because heading into, you know, any game project being worked on, um, it has to be a reasonable, um, hope of return on that investment. If, if this is mm. a, you making a game in your free time, you know, at your home computer, sort of a thing that return is just, well, I might like doing this anyway. So nothing, right. nothing. I yeah. have to get nothing out of this in order for it to, you know, that's the plan be financially responsible compared to paying, you know, however much for a game would be playing otherwise. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, whereas as opposed to that, a triple a game, well, we're paying 200 people to make this game right now. Um, mm. doing something crazy and out there is just not a risk. Anyone's willing to take in the triple a. Not that it right absolutely now. never happens, but it's, it, Fewer and far between that you find a big AAA project that's really trying something off the wall. Yes, yeah. I mean, the the best examples we get of that at this point are often these days. Someone in the indie scene made, you know, a prototype for something they're working on, and it caught on, and then money's thrown at it. Um, I mean, stuff like the Portal games. The first one, first set of mechanics was an indie game, student project. Valve decided they liked it. Threw money that direction. Hired the person making it, which... Depending on how you want to look at it, kind of makes Portal a... an indie game-ish. Just, you know... It would have been... Up by a, yeah, and it, it got a sequel that is like 100% a true tried and true AAA game. Well, that is no, just but a even even the second one was another indie team that was making that prototype with all the different paint the surface and it'll yeah, yeah. change the physics properties of that surface. Uh, that was a different team. But it was much they, they bought a second scale. team yeah. to then add it to their other thing and kind of, you know, consolidating things if if they keep doing this you know at this pace you know the next one will have all those mechanics plus a dating sim like it's god i hope so uh, the 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 issue is the larger it gets i want to be able to date the holes i make in the walls i mean that's why you made them um i feel Uh, like you could have done better with that i gave you a lot of i gave you a lot of runway mm -hmm, yeah (laughs) I'm sorry, I was, I was, it's, the, there's nothing I could do there that's better than the whole, the queen 
visiting the last glory hole in Canada sketch from Kids in the Hall. Yeah, it's a that's a quality one. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 interesting though this this topic to kind of think about the because ghosts. because there are objectively, I know we're supposed to be arguing, but there are objectively a lot of really creative AAA games out there. Yeah, and um, they're great, but like indie games, they they constantly surprise me and blow me away um just yeah. with just the creative endeavors that the the devs try to take with the game i mean think about um Ickenfell, which is a, i know a game that we've talked about ad nauseum in the past but just the combat in that game while not being completely unique is a very creative style it's, it's when you compare good. it to what the yeah. what the exploration and the narrative yeah. is in the game. It is a very creative choice to, yeah, integrate that type of combat in the game. Or it, you look frankly, at it's, other games. Yeah, that's Go that's ahead. something I can't believe we've not seen before. Pick and fell is the idea of an extremely small scale tactics fight in a game. Um, mm. Like it's 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 such a cool idea. The idea of really, really stripping down a tactics type, uh, combat system, um, and making something that is, I mean, not, not, not so involved that, well, Rich and I talked about how much we loved the, the final fantasy tactics games before this I, I still love tactics games um but the audience they're focusing on in most of the AAA tactics games are really obsessive type people who oh no i'm fine having a two-hour battle um but there's there's not, not really what i'm there for all the, all it's, the time no it's it, no it, exactly and ickenfell kind of gets the idea of a five-minute fight but still tactics down perfectly. Um, and that's something that I'm, I'm surprised no one's tried to take those mechanics and do something along those lines before. Um, but again, like, wh why would you? Why would I take something from that genre that I already know who my audience is, I know who to market this to, and then change it so much that I might make them all angry? That's that's a huge concern if you're a triple A company instead of someone who just has a really cool idea and wants to run with it. Um Yeah, it just it it feels like I mean, obviously the the easiest go to is like because they don't have shareholders and CEOs to answer to that they have free range to do what they want. But I also feel like it goes beyond that as well because you look at how and granted this is outside looking in um how indie games are made versus how AAA games are made you have people in your your company as a AAA um gaming company to kind of like shoot the breeze with or like chop shop like discuss what aspects um can be improved upon what they're working on that's like your main source of um feedback Whereas an indie developer, they have themselves and a select few people 
And then they have their community at large. You look at um, Twitter or you look at Discord and they're helping each other out constantly and they're giving each other inspiration, which is a really cool thing. And they're able to give each other constructive feedback. So you have a wider range of people you're talking to, a a wider range of inspiration. Whereas you look at a AAA dev and that's not always the case because you can't talk about what you're working on with other people. Like if I take Grand Theft Auto 6 before the leaks, for instance, um, that happened there, I can't discuss what I'm working on with anybody outside of the company. Whereas if I'm an indie dev, I'm not beholden to that. It's my choice. Yeah, that's... Yes. Frankly, seeing the reaction to those GTA 6 leaks has been one of the most painful things I've seen as far as just having any hope for the gaming community. Like, mm. I mean, it's it's not on the same level as Gamergate, obviously, but it's but as far as having any hope that anyone who's a fan of games isn't just a complete fucking moron was was nearly destroyed by a lot of the reactions to that leak with people talking about, you know, how shitty this game looks like that it is obviously in you know years away from being in an even in you know a remotely finished product it's mm. it is it has been painful um yeah yeah i mean i i didn't quite not to get too tangential cuz i i somewhat agree with you i didn't quite understand the harsh reaction to when that happened. But at the same time, I'm not a developer, so I don't know what it's like to have something like that you've been working on creatively for a long time. And you know, you don't feel like it's, it's ready for the public to see yet suddenly be just leaked. I haven't, I've, I've not experienced that uh, fortunately for myself. So I guess I don't, I don't have enough experience to understand the, the strong reaction to the people well, uh, to the leaks, but then again, there yeah. are people out there who do, and they were saying that you know, like they were saying basically, this is you know a really terrible thing. I just thought that the reaction was a little bit extreme to some some yeah. regard because people are still going to buy that game and still going to play it. But I mean, that's that's a co- conversation yeah. for another day. We can always yeah, no, you know, I, have I, that. I'm, yeah, I don't want to get too far into it, but a lot of what leaked looked like they were really really playing with systems because they were showing a hold up in a restaurant there's a mm. lot of moving pieces to that how do you make the ai remotely work without without just defaulting to have it having it be a set piece just have it completely scripted you know like something you'd see in a triple a shooter and it looked like the it looked like they were trying to handle this on a systems level so it could be something you could do wherever whenever Right. And because of that, everything else was rough as hell. Because why would you waste time trying to make any of that look pretty when you're just trying to find out if the 50 people, 50 different AI models you've got running in this scene will not just completely shit the bed. Like mm. it was, this was a proof of concept type thing. Um, that. Yeah, nobody knew what they were right. looking at whenever it got onto Twitter at that point. 
Right. So I mean, uh, that's like that's the <laughs> kind of fucked up thing about that. That's the exception where uh, people can give quote unquote feedback in that situation. But yeah, other otherwise, like besides those like bizarre or unfortunate rare circumstances, AAA devs can't really talk about what they're working on yeah. except within their company. Whereas indie indie devs, they have they have the ability to do that with whomever they want. Mm-hmm. Um on whatever they're working on. And I think that really allows them, like I said, not to rehash too much, just trying to get us back to what we were talking about. <laughs> that gives them the ability to get inspiration from many different areas, get constructive criticism and feedback from many different sources. And that just makes their game better. Not only better, but it reinforces like, hey, I really want to make this off the wall, bizarre creative choice. Do you think it makes sense within the context of what I'm trying to do? And yeah. you explain it to somebody or you show it to someone, they're like, dude, this is awesome. Yeah, run with this. And yeah. you're not beholden. Exactly. Like, I think had people looked at some of that footage with the idea of, we're just trying to see if this can work at all or if this is a lost cause sort of an idea. You would have at least gotten opinions that were related to what the, the, the actual task at hand. Um, but instead, and this is kind of going back to why you don't see a lot of creativity out of AAA games. It just immediately got shit on for not being a completed game, you know, half mm. a decade before release. Um, right. And that's that's the only thing that matters to... A, the publishers who are funding all of this, and then B, the vast majority of the community who just don't know how the sausage is made. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I can imagine, like, part, part of me, if I were to ever get into video game development, part of me would take, would feel a sense of pride and accomplishment of like, yeah, I did it. I, I got a triple A studio to, you know, buy into my idea and now we're working on it together. Um this idea is being created. Yeah. There's gotta be a sense of accomplishment and pride for that. You know, especially liking games for thirty plus years, being a fan of it or yep. uh you know, um a consumer of that media. But then there's also gotta be a sense of pride and I think I would I personally would take more pride and accomplishment in being the the de facto person who creates it from the ground up and yeah. um just cultivating this idea without people saying you have this deadline we're giving you these you know we're giving you these resources and these people to help you work on it in this amount of money but you got a deadline and no you can't put that in your game like that kind of stuff um I'm sure that's not how it always works I'm just broad strokes here yeah yeah um Let's make wild assumptions. Right, yeah. exactly, because none of us know what the fuck we're talking about. Um, but like, just the ability to be beholden to just simply our own ideas and our beholden own these nuts. Rich, what is this? Two thousand five? Come on. He be joking. Ligma. Uh. Ligma balls. 
was waiting for it. I was waiting for it that whole time. I was like, is, is he going to drop it? I was waiting I wanted for to, it. I wanted to finish that piece of apple. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that there would be just a greater sense of accomplishment there. And I feel like for... Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong here. Mental health sake. Uh, not having to just, like, press yourself every day. But then again, I, I'm, that's not to say that, you know, indie devs don't have their own mental health struggles. They yeah, have the yeah. whole, like, is this game ever going to come out? Am I ever going to finish it? Is it ever going to be good enough? Are people going to actually notice it? Like, you know, there are mental struggles regardless of the situation. I just yeah. think for me personally, I would rather deal with, like, the, the mental hangups and struggles of being the indie dev than, you know, having a... I got Corporate enough mental hangups and struggles. Thank uh-huh. you. Whatever, Rich. As the indie podcaster. Whatever, Dick. Nobody calls me that. Nobody says that. <laughs> I'm going to start introducing you as a welcome to the show, Dick Meister. I should know you bring hate that, that back. Right? It's, it's, it's time. No. It's, it's time for Dick to be a name Look, again. Even, even DC Comics abandoned it. Dick Grayson goes by Rick Grayson these days. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. That's a mistake. Well, actually, you know, the, the impetus for it is probably my favorite thing about it in comic books in a long time. Yeah. Um, like, he briefly got amnesia at one point. Oh, dear Lord. And uh, they were like, Dick, are you okay? And he's like, why the fuck would I go by Dick? And he was correct. <laughs> like, it was like he became a sensible person and has continued to go by Rick since. Okay. That's fair. I mean, it, in that particular case, it makes sense because this Nightwing is a character primarily known for having dad ass. So why would yeah, why true. would you split focus? It's just you need. It makes more sense. Yeah, you need a cohesive brand. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Mm. <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyways, let's. Batman's ward goes by Dick, and he's got a tight little ass. Mm-hmm. God damn. Uh, back back to video games again. Uh, indie games specifically. Um, yeah, sorry, boner killer here. Um, uh, so they call yourself. That's what they call me in the street. No, me. I'm the boner killer because you guys are over there having fun, and I'm trying to transition us back. I'm the boner killer. But anyways. Um, no one laughs at your boners. Not a single person. Yeah. Unfortunately. I don't think I'd be able to take that. <laughs> like, how do you come back from that? Uh, I mean, like, I thought that when I'm I ran into you. that, when I ran into that burning building, I thought I'd be the source of entertainment. Like, guys, look, I got a boner, but mm-hmm. turns out nobody cared. Anything that's putting my life in jeopardy turns me on. Right. Exactly. I, I feel you on that, on a deep, 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 deep level. Anyways, uh, again, back, back to video games uh, as we get distracted again. Um, w- would you guys say that on average for you, like when you guys are playing indie games, you just feel that they are more creative? Like, on average. I mean, I, I think just on average yeah just conceptually more creative from the get like there's yeah, not yeah i don't think triple a games are mostly uncreative but there's a lot more run of the mill like oh another one of these 
Yeah, which, which isn't to say there aren't also just complete clones in the indie space. Like that, it's just that, a much bigger space. That happens, yeah. But that's kind of the rule more than the exception in the AAA space, is that, oh, I'm going to see another game that is the favored genre at the moment. You know, mm. in the next couple months, that just is how how it kind of ends up working. Um, like it's it is out there. Whenever a AAA game comes out, that surprises you at this point. Um, that's doing something that's not exactly what you'd expect. Right. Right. Yeah. It's and it's not to, again. It's. I keep prefacing this because I want to make sure it's abundantly clear as if I'm really, truly worried about this. But yeah. like, I do find like, I personally do find that there are a lot of AAA games that are very creative in what they do. Um, and there's some of my favorite games of all time. The ones that I think are the most creative are in the AAA space. Um, one that I've talked about on, on and off for five years straight is Hellblade. I still think that is one of the most creative games um, out there in some aspects of the game, um, not every. Yes, aspect. but that was kind of a B studio that just got bought by Microsoft. Also true. Also true. Yes, I, like I, they I, they were borderline indie space before money got thrown at them. Right. Absolutely. Yes. But then you take you take a look at things like Cuphead. Um. You take a look at things like Super Meat Boy. You take a look at things yeah. like um yeah. something we're gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about later with like Castle Crashers. Um, yeah, like you, you could go into so many different spaces, braid, um, the witness, all these kind of, all these kind of games, these creative indie games. And those are just like the more noted indie games that are just wildly yeah. creative. There are so many out there, I, probably ones that yes. we've never even played that are incredibly creative and look, creative is not always necessarily a good thing because, because oh, yeah. Yeah. you are more creative means that you are going to be curtailing the experience to a more specific audience a more niche audience that doesn't necessarily mean creative is good in all situations yeah no there are plenty of creative decisions that long term don't pan out like this is a dead yeah we've all seen the schneider cut yeah yeah and frankly the schneider cut was better than than taking something that unique and then trying to just absolutely ram it into a triple A spaced hole that it's happened, true, but with, it also you know wasn't good. It's like somebody yeah. like was trying to hang you, and then they loosen the noose a little bit, and you're like, "Well, this is better, but it's not good." Well, exactly, exactly. Like, well, yes, like the Snyder Cut is still the Justice League. Like, there's nothing fixing that, but also. Yeah. At least it wasn't the Justice League that had its knees broken and had been dragged through the streets for a, a week or so. Yeah. Hmm. Take that, right. Snyder Cut people. Mm-hmm. That's right. Do you have any? Do you guys have any kind of final thoughts on this topic of indie games being more creative than AAA games, or like any examples you want to bring up? Anything like that? I mean, I it's not a longer topic this week because honestly, I feel like. We probably all three of us feel that in some regards. So it's it's like it's not very difficult for us to argue. It's like stupid, look, <laughs> and then you'll notice kind of thing. But at the same yeah. time, you know. Yeah, and I think honestly, 
on top of the just the interests of stockholders, which I think fucking ruin any hopes of AAA games being good remotely. Shout out to stockholders. Uh, on, on top of that, I think a lot of this kind of boils down to just team size considerations. Um, whether or not they had to answer to anybody other than the team as a whole, the more people working on something the more people have to be on board where with where this is going it, like it, it has to be more palatable um which kind of like you said before sometimes a great thing because mm. rough edges will get you know filed down with that right. um but anything that's completely wholly unique a lot of times that just doesn't make it cuz you know, you've got to convince this entire team that that's the direction you want to take this. Um, so whether or not, you know, the money was an aspect at all, a lot of this really is just a product of you have 200 people working on a game, it's going to be less creative on the whole. Um, right. And a lot of times you get some really expertly done creative details in AAA games because something is a particular creator's baby. Like, oh, I, I put all the effort into the set dressing for this particular level, and there's a story being told because one person was in charge of doing this level. And um, they did it damn right. Exactly. And, be- and because of that, sometimes you get just magic coming out of that space but you're getting it because it a lot of times is one person's creation. And that's kind of the rule in the indie space. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. Yeah. I like everything you said there. Um, Rich, do you have any final thoughts about this before we move on? No, not really. I think, I think we covered it in the big spots. I don't have any, specific example or anything i want to hang my hat on i think it's pretty straightforward yeah yeah i think so as well i mean i thought this was, might might get a little bit more contentious and it didn't get nearly as contentious as i thought it would so turns out that it was a uh, pretty easy to do yeah but yeah. and that's again well, last, last thing painless. i want to say is last thing i want to say is there are a lot of creative games out there both triple a and indie, that's not to disparage any uh, person who works on either of those mediums. Um, to not to say we're not saying that your game isn't objectively great if it's not super creative. Um, just it's one aspect of gaming, and sometimes I like a creative game, and sometimes I just want to play Tetris. Tetris is massively creative. Tetris is brilliant. I know. I'm saying like a new version. Yeah, of Tetris Yeah, where it, yeah. It's like. That that's another exactly like like that kind of proves our point, the fact that that was one of the most creative, simple, but unique gameplay mechanics that has just been remade ad nauseum for the last mm. forty years. Right. Yes. Exactly. So, um, let's go on break really quick, and we're gonna come back right after that, and uh, we are going to discuss the games we've been playing. So stick around and we will be right back. You know, Shay, Josh, 
when I listen to the Chomp cast, I don't just listen to the Chomp cast. I'll be what do chomping. you do? I be chomping. You be chomping. I be chomping. What do you mean? You know, I chomp it to the east, and I chomp it to the west, and I chomp it over to swordchomp.com, where I listen to the Chompcast. Oh, shit. What else can I find there? What's at swordchomp.com? At swordchomp.com, you can chomp over to the east for episodes of the Chompcast, where we talk about video games. Or you can chomp over to the west for Chomping After Dark, where we spoil comics, movies, even video games themselves. Hell yeah. You know, one time, <laughs> I was listening to the Chompcast in the back of a car, and a police officer comes over and he knocks on the window, and I roll it down, and he shines his light on me, and I say, I be chomping. <laughs> <laughs> and what did he say? Uh, he was breathless. He didn't know what to say. You know what I would have said? Tell me. I would have said I'd be chomping. I'd be chomping! Yo, we're back. And it feels so good to be back, you know? I was just thinking that to myself like 10 seconds ago. How good is it going to feel when we're back? And you know what? God damn does it feel good. Uh, but enough about me. Let's talk about video games. Splatoon 3 is a game that Josh has been absolutely painting the walls with. Just fucking loads and loads and loads of paint. Come. Cummy paint. Uh-huh. Jizz. <laughs> jizz. Oh. I was yes. trying to think of how to work the word jizz into the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt theme song. I can't figure it out yet. I'll have to think about it a little bit longer. That's a toughie. Cause, cause at the end, you know, when they're like, Ooh, damn it. Yeah. I want it to be, Ooh, jizz. Play alive, jizz. Unjizzable. I don't like that. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't care for that. Yeah. Anyways, cool. Josh, you played Splatoon three. Seems too mean. Uh, you want to talk some more about it? Um, um, yes, yes, I've been playing more Splatoon 3, and uh, I, I mentioned last week they had patches for a lot of the network connectivity issues, which have been, mm. since then, significantly better. Uh, by the time you are listening to this, the second wave of those uh, network stability patches should be live, because they're supposed to be tomorrow uh, as of recording this, so mm. by the time you hear this, should have been done. Um, it has been significantly better since the first updates. Um, it's been mainly not a problem. I think I've had two disconnects in the last week, which is two more than I should have, but also not a lot. That's like that. That's not a major concern at that point as far as the amount of time I've been putting into this game. Having just two, that's reasonable-ish. But yeah, right. I'm, I'm glad that they're still trying to iron these out and get it, you know, where it should be. Um, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that seems to be their focus right now as far as their patches have been concerned um, is just making sure the game is 
working as well as possible for as many people as they can, which yes, that's, that should always be the case. Um, sometimes you don't see that with a lot of patches coming right in there. You, you know, anyway, someone has a pet project there. Oh, we're going to fix this one bug that happens to almost no one sort of a thing. But anyway, um, seems like they're doing a good job with it. We'll, we'll, we'll see if it all gets ironed out long term. Um, as far as the actual online stuff itself goes, I've really been enjoying some of the changes they've made so far. Um, the PVE mm. sort of horde mode adjacent thing in uh, in this one, they've fleshed out a lot. That was that was a new addition to the salmon two. run. The, yes, the salmon run, um, where you are basically you know, fighting waves of salmon trying to attack you and stealing their eggs, uh, you know, in order to keep Big Daddy Grizz happy. Um, mm -hmm. It's really solid uh, this time around. They've got a lot of additional features here with, you know, like special waves that'll spawn. Like, okay, like, you, uh, just like a big spawning ground with like a ton of different eggs that you've got to get, but the difficulty is trying to get them back to where you're recovering them. It's less so fighting all the bosses that you normally have to kill to get these things as mm. it is a matter of how how do I actually transport all these things within, you know, a bunch of like ambushes along the way and stuff. Um it's really cool. Um they've got like additional bonus bosses that can spawn after the usual three waves that you get. That That's are, pretty cool. That are pretty cool, that are pretty hard to kill in a lot of situations if you don't have a team that knows what they're doing in order to actually take care of these bosses. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's really fun. It is really solid. It's, this, this mode has always been kind of the... Um, it's been positioned as, oh, you're doing this odd job in order to get extra money or whatever is kind of the thematic why you're doing this sort of thing. Um, right. And then, you know, mechanically, it's one of the best ways to grind out different, um, like, ability chunks that you can then use to uh, customize your gear exactly how you want it. Um, mm. So it kind of fits what they're actually telling you the reason for doing this is, which I like. Um, not that that's new, it's just continued from there. Uh, the main campaign in this one does seem to be, uh, connecting to the whole Grizzco storyline stuff a lot more in Splatoon 3, which that was just kind of a, you know, light-hearted fun, like, oh, there's a bear who wants me to collect a bunch of fish eggs for him sort of thing, which, obviously, you know, we've with, all with, been with there. Grizzco. Um, yeah, that's, I'm, 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 it's still delightful. Like, they have just a really unique world that they've created here that just kind of, all the pieces are coming together with, with three. They're really kind of, it, the whole game feels really cohesive. Um, like, they're, they're finally using everything they've set up in this whole series so far. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm loving it. Um, 
been doing a whole lot more of the campaign in this one. Um, I talked about this before, but um, sorry, let me rephrase that because that sounds like I didn't do as much of the campaign in the other games. I've done a lot more of the campaign this week is what I'm saying. Um, like sure. obviously finished the campaigns of all of them so far, but I, that that's what I've kind of focused on this week is knocking out that campaign so I can find out exactly where everything's been going. And I've almost finished at this point. Um, but this, yeah, dude. yeah, this is, this is the same sort of setup as far as you have a level, you can go through it with the designated loadout like this this is the way you're supposed to go through they, like they always give you a suggested loadout whenever you go into a level um within um on each level it's between one and three different loadouts they give you to go through each level with um as an option and i i really like that setup i think it it works really well even when it's ridiculously frustrating, um, such as uh, one of the levels in particular is like a target range because uh, the, 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 the conceit here for why you're doing all these levels is uh, you've found a, uh, like what, what was a human bunker where some of the last humans held out for as long as possible before you know, the apocalypse finally claimed them as well. And they've uh. built all this infrastructure to keep themselves entertained while, while living down this bunker. And so you're kind of going through the different levels and whatnot, just little odds and ends that they'd, you know, made to entertain themselves type areas, which, you know, are neat. And then, you know, on top of that, you know, other people are exploring the area and okay. okay it's 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 kind of a whole thing but but generally being these are the campaign of the platoon games are almost like challenge levels like all of them like from start to finish like you can do them with different loadouts you can do them um in all the other ones they had a lot of hidden stuff in the levels they've they've gotten rid of the hidden stuff in the levels in this one uh, and moved all the hidden stuff to the overworld map. So it's more about right. exploring that area, which I think is a good thing. Uh, because instead of having your attention split whenever you're in a level, trying to find hmm. the hidden thing there, as well as the actual objectives you're getting, uh, it, it, it's more about, you know, solving the puzzle you're given for that level as far as. Okay, like I, I, um, I've got this sniper loadout. How am I going to hit sixty targets in a minute with a sniper that takes two seconds to charge? That just that sounds impossible. How can I hit sixty targets if it takes me two seconds per target? And then trying to figure out how to make the loadout work to do that task is that's complex enough. Like you don't need to add extra, extra stuff to just find in the levels beyond that. It makes more sense to kick that sort of thing to the world map. And I think that was a good change. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still 
really enjoying the campaign. I don't think it hits quite the same highs as like the Octoling expansion from 2, which is still my favorite so far that they've released as far as just tough as nails, but really interesting level design. Um, sure. I don't think it's quite there, but also they're, they've already said they're planning DLC for this one as well. So there should be an expansion that makes that kind of cranks this whole campaign up another notch as again, which yeah, that, that seems to be where the coolest level design comes from. But even then, this has all been really good. It's, it's really solid. Um, stuff in, in, in this campaign. So, okay. That's yeah. cool. So the, after you're done with the campaign, it's pretty much just online play at that point, online correct? play. You still have all the PVP modes. There's a basically casual mode, which is the, uh, the one that everyone knows about the turf control area, which okay. is just how you know, turf war. Yeah. Yeah. The turf wars you're, you're it's, it's, it's just area control. If you've got it painted, your side controls it, which, um, mechanically actually gives you more control because you can swim through your own color ink at a much faster speed. Also while you're reloading, because that's you reload in Splatoon by swimming in your own color ink. Um, so it's kind of a compounding sort of control you get by actually just painting the area that, that is the casual mode. It's like a three minute match. Um, four V four who can control the most territory by the end of a match is the casual mode, um, which after you get to level 10, you can also go into the competitive modes, which are much more objective based. You've got stuff such as a tower push mode, um, where you've got to control a tower and push it all the way into enemy territory in order to win. And, or also it's got a time limit. So it's whoever's pushed it far enough. If no one can get it to the, you know, to the end goal um, gotcha. from there. Okay. Um, as well as um, Clam Blitz, which is sort of a... Uh, man, what the fuck do you call Clam Blitz? It, I, I don't know how to explain that, but that, that's, it, that's kind of a... Uh, is that like going to the bar at 1.30 a.m.? It sounds like it would be. Um, Clam Blitz? It is, it is kind of the opposite of don't that. Like it, that. Is, it is. It is... It's... <laughs> I guess the closest you could call it would be like a coin mode from like a Mario Kart. Um, okay. But instead of just who controls all of them at the end, it's it's you can take them back to your base and bank them is kind of the idea. Um, so if someone collects some of these things, they're more more of a target. Like you want to stop them from getting back to their own base. Um, okay. So I guess I don't know. Capture the flag isn't exactly right, but I guess it's kind of close-ish to capture the flag, right. but with a million different flags. It's just, you know. Um, yeah, they've got several options as far as the actual competitive mode goes that are much more involved than just the, uh, the Turf War. Although the Turf War is still extremely good of a mode just for a casual mode goes as far as that mm. is concerned. Um, and kind of teaches you a lot of the fundamentals you still need for every other mode. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. It's, it's, I'm it's glad solid that you're enough of a product that. with just that, you know, just the online stuff to, uh, to still be worth playing for a long time after the campaign is over. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. 
Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Money well spent, I would say, probably for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yes, yes, very much so. Even <laughs> I bought two copies of this game because this is um, one for you and one for your daughter. Yeah, I had been buying a bunch of digital stuff mostly because it's a whole lot easier for us to share games that way. Mm. Um, however, um, she's starting to get older, and at this point, it's. Uh, I figure it makes more sense for her to have her own copies of games to be able to take wherever later on. Right. Okay. So I've switched to buying a lot more physical copies of games, and often two copies of those games so we both have them um, you monster. at some point in the future. So, yeah. Probably a smart choice. Yeah. Okay. Well, Rich, you played Lost Judgment... A video game I, you swear exists. It's it very much does exist. Um, I talked about this a little last week, but I with the PC release, um, I've been getting back around to Lost Judgment. Um, and I'm probably like a good eighteen-ish hours in at this point. And um, you know, timing was just bad last year, but I am really uh enjoying the shit out of it this time around a weird thing i wanted to point out because this evaded me for like a good six or so hours Mm. um going into this now having all the season pass stuff um (laughs) i had like a bunch of dlc i didn't have the first time around and you need to go to your office in yokohama and get the dlc out of your mailbox and there's a whole fourth fighting Mm. style in the dlc uh, okay. so you're basically, um, in the base game, originally one of the school clubs you can join at, uh, the high school is the boxing club. You can become an advisor and like end up hanging out at this gym all the time. And you need to learn through menus in there, like a whole boxing fighting style that you use in the boxing mini game. One of the DLCs for the expansion pass just takes that fighting style and just makes it a fourth street fighting style. Um, that's cool. And it's probably one of the funnest ones to mess around with because it replaces the normal grab in every other fighting style with a jab. And if properly used, Yagami can just straight up juggle people in the air in a way you can't with any of the other fighting styles. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Mm, Okay. Okay. So this is a game you picked up last year or earlier this year? I can't remember. Uh, Last year. Yeah. This is the sequel to Judgment, the Yakuza spinoff. That's right. That's right. Yes. Um, but I'm like very deep in it now. I am the, the, uh, the main plot is heating up in a way I'm like super interested in, but also there's just so many really good side stories in this one with Yagami becoming an advisor to basically every club at this high school. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd love to solve this murder, but I really got to take the dance team to regionals. (laughs) One of those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm invested now. These kids need Yagami. They need his guidance, you know? Uh-huh. And Yagami needs your guidance, Rich. Yeah, someone's got to be there for him. Uh, the robotics club can, can make How states else is he help. know who to kill? Ex- yeah, no, that's, ex- that's just it. That's the, mm-hmm. kind of the whole thing. Mm. Um, so I imagine also whenever I'm playing this game, now that in the sequel Yagami is undercover at this high school, I imagine that this is what it would be like to be Shay if Shay were a cigarette smoking leather jacket wearing detective. Uh, so, you know, it's a it's a fun fantasy in that in that regard. You know, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny. Like, obviously, I'm not a cigarette smoking leather 
jacket bound detective, but I I like the way I said that. Don't don't you don't you? No, just, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable with it. Okay. Uh but yeah, I imagine that my my current life is like a lot of weeb's fantasy. Not saying you're a weeb. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's just it's it's funny to like think about. I'm your day is, is what it is, and like I'm spending hours after after like I go to work, I go to the gym, and it's I go home. And I spend like four hours anime. a night. I go and I spend four hours a night playing this game where I just hang out in a Japanese high school, <laughs> which is what I do for my job. Yeah, no, it's just weird. I'm not. <laughs> You know, to be to be fair and completely transparent, because uh, my my girlfriend is currently in L.A. right now. She moved there for a little while for for um, education mm-hmm. that this weekend, this week was like the first week since her and I have been hanging out and dating that um, I haven't like she hasn't we haven't been in the same city kind of thing. And so sure. I haven't wanted to go home. So actually, after my working hours are done. I'm just going to play sports with the children because I don't want to go home. So, in a way, after my working hours are done, I too am hanging out at a Japanese high school. You're, yeah, you're, uh, you're taking the dance team to regionals and uh, hanging out with the photography club, just like me. Right, exactly, exactly. So, but so it, it it's we're the same people, Rich. Yeah, yeah. I was I was telling Josh last week. It's just some of these club like side stories. Like a few of them I finished at this point, and like. Some of them are just ridiculous in their level of that Yakuza like mini game craziness. Like there's a whole tactics mini game you play with the robotics club where you're using the robots on like a tactic grid. Um, But like I love the ones that are not not lazier, but just like simpler in a way that's fundamentally hilarious. Like uh, the esports club uh, story just involves you hanging out and playing Virtua Fighter 5 with them. And I mean, just all of Virtua Fighter 5 just in this game. I like that. I like that a lot. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you got back into it. Yeah, you know what it is? It like I, I think with the announcements of like um uh like a dragon Ishin and uh like a dragon eight and all that stuff coming around, I'm like, I still need to finish that one. And um I really I won't say in what way because for anyone who's not caught up with where uh the Yakuza series is at this point, this is the most recent thing happening in that world in the timeline and it kind of sets up a lot of like the state of that world of organized crime because the end of uh yakuza like a dragon really shook up like the status quo of that world which is why i'm kind of interested to see where uh where eight is going to go gotcha okay that's cool i'm excited for you man i know you're such a big fan of the series so it's uh it's fun times and i have you know even when i'm done with it i have i bought that season pass so i have the expansion um that i obviously never got around to because i never finished the base game to play as well right you got a lot of content left to get to content speaking of content outbound ghost was a game that you guys have uh played this past week and wanted to talk about yeah, we both we both played some more i assume josh i don't know yes. you have any like new big revelations on that like where where are you at with it tell me I am um story wise I'm trying to figure out what to explain this with that that's not a spoiler um mm-hmm. uh cuz I'm not much farther not cuz I'm not enjoying it but because I only have so much time Oh yeah yeah I am I anyway I I I am 5 um what are they called? 
Hours. Not figments. Is it figments? It's not figments. Um, figments they... are... I don't remember which... Yeah, uh, what, what are the Pokemon equivalent in this game that I'm completely... That's, I, I keep trying... Oh, hold on, I gotta go to the store page. And it says it in like the... Aspects. Aspects. I'm Anyway, I'm five aspects in. Uh, the, uh, the combat in this game is interesting because you are building a party that are... I mean, it's basically like any other Paper Mario type of a thing. Like, pick who you want in your party. But instead of them being unique characters, they are... We, we, we talked about this some last week. Uh, they are like, something will happen to you, and you'll have like a different aspects of your personality that is then fighting. Uh, and is basically a whole other party member for you. Um, you find some of them in the story as you go, just through there. And uh, you also will find like these grave stones that you can then go and have a fight against, you know, uh, a specific aspect that they can then join your party afterward. Um, and so anyway, I, I've collected five of them so far, um, which means one more than I can fit in my party. So I can kind of, I get to pick how I want to build my team at this point, which is neat. Um, I've kind of got the, the initial one they give you if you're not doing one of the challenge modes or, or tweaks to it is kind of the heavy hitter is, is the first one you get. And then you get a healer and then a really tanky guy. But you can also use um, those fig, the figments, the equipables to, to sort to, of like, to change that a decent a bit. Yeah. Yes. To, um, you, you get a lot of leeway for sure. Like, they're all built with one thing in mind, but you could also, yes. like, oh, I'm going to stack some healing abilities on this guy, and this way I ish, maybe I don't necessarily yeah, need ish. a healer. All, all of those uh, trinkets are, are percentage-based, so they're still yeah. going to affect those stats. Like, it makes more sense to lean in than to try to completely change what a character is, usually. For sure. Usually is kind of, yeah. you know. Um, so, anyway. Um, yeah, so I, I, I have, uh, I've had fun with that, uh, kind of changing my party to be exactly how I want it. I feel like I'm really early in, and I'm probably going to have a lot of different options for how I want to build a party by the end of this. Um, I think so, too, and I'm a little bit behind where you're at from what you're telling me, so. Yeah, uh, which I think is a good and possibly a bad thing, because... I've not felt like the combat has been that exacting. And I know, like, we've already talked, there are different difficulty modes and there are challenge modes as well. I think you might get a lot of leeway out of those challenge modes just with yeah. where the combat is at now. Yeah, so I'm and kind I of... that's kind of the thing I'm feeling right now is that I don't think it's going to be that tough to actually get through the game because it seems like it's no. made to be able to get through it with whatever party you pick. With um, relative ease, yeah. Um, which is neat. Like that—that's that, fine so far. Um, I like that it's flexible enough to work as a much tougher game. Uh, I'm kind of curious to see if this game is going to end up feeling too long. Um, on this normal mode, given all the options you're given, um, because it kind of seems so far, like once I cut that fifth party member, I'm like, oh. Well, now I've got options, and I don't feel like I actually need them, because, I don't know, part of me thinks maybe I just take out that initial 
heavy hitter and just have to try to figure out how to make this work with all the other. Sure. You know, maybe that might be like the challenge you're looking yeah. for. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure, but it, it. I like the options, but I also feel like they're really not needed on that sort of default normal mode playthrough. It's yeah, it's got a versatility that without the modifiers might not be needed. But yeah, it's kind yeah. of be weird to strip it of it. So I guess exactly, I get that. exactly. Like I, I I see what they're going for, but as far as keeping me interested in that combat on the first playthrough, I'm not sure if it's going to hold up at the default difficulty level. Um, sure. It'll be, yeah, it'll I think be interesting fair criticism. See, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I mean, I'm enjoying most everything about this game, so I'm not terribly far yet, but I'm definitely going to see it through to the end, so I'm sure once we've, once we've got a playthrough under our belts, we'll be able to speak a little bit more on that, and yes, maybe yeah. check out one of the challenge modes to see if that shakes yeah, things up that, in an interesting way. That and or, if you're listening to this and it sounds interesting, maybe skip that Oh, this is the correct way to play, sort of thing, and which is uh, the mentality we both had. Yeah, it, yes. might, it might be more interesting just to fly by the seat of your pants and do a challenge mode. Well, you don't even have to do a challenge mode because there was still another difficulty mode or two above the standard one that you'd right. still get the same basic experience, but have to try harder on those combat encounters. And maybe that's the way to go if you are someone yeah. who is that involved with what they're doing with this combat. Um, and I, I was worried that was going to end up being overtuned for someone who really knows how it works. Maybe that's the direction to go if you are someone who, you know, gets involved with the combat systems in games. So it might be the, sure. it might, might be the way to go, even for a first playthrough. I, I think you might be right. Yeah. I think you might be too. Fuck you. Not today. Uh, so... Castle Crashers. I'm tired. <laughs> the Castle Crashers HD remaster. This is something that I kind of been eyeing for years, and just was like, you know, I played the shit out of that game when it first came out. I don't really need it. And one of the things that um, my girlfriend and I decided to do in order to kind of like stay in touch with each other and spend time with each other, um, besides the normal means, is she ended up picking up a Switch. And I bought her some games that we could play together. And Castle Crashers was one of the games I thought, this is easy enough to where she can play, yet she's going to have fun with it. And um, I haven't played the yeah. game in years. So I was like, you know what? I'll pick this one up. And it also has an online multiplayer. That's one of the other things I had to consider with uh, Switch games. <laughs> yeah. So um, bought that. And I mean, I don't have a lot to say about it. Except that the, it's game Castle is, Crashers. the game is still really fucking good all these years later, to nobody's surprise. But the uh, HD remaster looks way better than I thought it would. Like, I would say that the HD remaster is like it, you know, like when you think a game looks really good or a movie looks really good and then you go and watch it or you play it and you're like, wow, my memory was being really <laughs> generous towards that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, so the HD remaster is doing the the hard work there, basically. Where I thought that the Castle it's reflecting Crashers... what you remember it looking like exactly. Yeah, I, I recently yeah. had that exact experience with uh, um, oh shit, what's it called? Moment. Yeah. Oh, while while you're while you're looking, I will I will faff a bit, but no, the the game has been just as fun as I remembered it. Um. 
I forgot about the little animals that you run around with on the side, like the ones that you can mm. pick up and they like give you random benefits. Totally forgot about that mechanic. Such a brilliant and fun mechanic. Time to do the alien hominid playthrough. Right. Tenchu. Tenchu. Oh, yeah. When I replayed that on stream. And yeah, punish the back. evil merchant. Yes. Yeah, that game That game did not look as good as I remembered it at I ever, all. Yeah, I, ever, yeah, uh, I loved I that like, game as a kid, and uh, it, it was a rough, a rough, rough time trying to go back w- through tension. Yeah. <laughs> Tenchu. Yeah. I feel like I might send this occasionally in the WhatsApp because it's always saved on my phone because I think it's the funniest thing in the world where I always go, I live by the tenants of the Tenchu loading screen and it's just a loading screen that reads, quote, punish the evil merchant and then all bullet pointed points, avoid the main gate, use the grappling hook, never harm the innocent. Yep. Pretty much. These are are rules that you can apply to your day-to-day life, you know? Parts of that game still really hold up, like as far as like the actual mechanics going on for for the stealth and, and whatnot and verticality of it. Really neat. Still solid. The whole bullshit continue system for that game is a nightmare that A, is completely Keeps avoidable because if you screw up, we'll just reload the save you just had because essentially if you screw up, you lose all the items that you brought with you on your last run. And you can continue, but why would you if you just reload the save and have the exact same experience without every single downside for continuing? It's, it's, mm. it kind of, you could tell that it had a lot of that mentality of how older games used to work with punishing you when you died on top of having died. But then also because of the save system, it allowed you to avoid all of that bullshit, which kind of really shows you why we've gotten rid of that nonsense. Because why would you put up with that if you are not given any reason to? Yeah, it mm. makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. But I will say this. Um, I, wanna, I want us to play Castle Crashers because I forgot how fu- fucking fun that game is. It is pretty solid. I think I own that remaster. I don't, I don't think know. I bought the remaster. It was on sale on the Switch with the big uh, sales that were happening. I definitely don't have it on Switch. I don't know if it's cross-platform. I wonder if it is. That'd be worth looking into, because I may have it on Steam, maybe, but I I, I know I don't get it on Switch. Mm. It is not Castle... (laughs) It is not Castle Crashers. No, it is not Uh. (laughs) cross-platform. Unfortunately. (sighs) So. But... It, it is a damn good game. Um, I've really been enjoying Like, we're doing it, like, level by level. Um, so, like, yeah. I'll wake up early in the morning, get all my shit done, and I'm like, hey, I got 15 minutes. Let's knock out a quick level right before I go to work because of time zone differences. So we've been, sure. we've been managing to slowly get through the game that way. It's been a lot of fun. So, um, Might I recommend for those of you out there who are looking to play a fun game with your significant other, look no further than Castle Crashers. A classic. For the oh, ages. Yeah. If and speaking I've, along, yeah, I, I don't know if long distance you really want to test the relationship this hard, but I'd also suggest. Uh, um, we already bought Overcooked. I there know you what go. You're yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's that is one of the best relationship building games known to man. Is is over destroying? Yeah. She's a very patient person. Uh, admittedly, much more patient than I am. Oh, yeah. So. We'll see, we'll see. I, we're sticking easy with Castle Crashers, seeing 
Because it's like easy. We commit like yeah. 10 minutes to one level in the morning. Yeah. Overcooked so, sure. is one of those ones that you can finish the level, but if you're OCD about trying to get the best scores for each of them, it gets right. pretty demanding figuring out how yes. you're going to optimize the, the level. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's it's something that like I I don't think we're ready to like take the plunge on that one yet, but... <laughs> I, I'm I'm waiting for the day where I'm like, all right, I think I think our relationship is Oh yeah. We've had a long too... distance aspect of a relationship is good enough to give this a shot. Oh, yeah. We've had it too good for too long. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda. No, I'm just kidding. But um the, a lot of those lines, the other game one of the other games that I bought for us is uh Puyo Puyo Tetris. Alright, uh, yeah, yeah. That's a, that good is one. An, That's a great game. That's a really good game. I had never played it before. I, I mean, I'm I also Tetris, a big fan of Puyo Puyo. I've never played the combination game. Puyo yeah, Puyo Tetris yeah. 2. What a banger. Oh, yeah. Yes. And uh, she, she tried it out the other day by herself, and she's like, this game's fucking hard. I don't like it. It is It is a lot. It's a lot. It's very overwhelming for your brain. And the thing, honestly, I would suggest you guys at first is you could just choose to play either game. Yeah. You don't have mm. to immediately jump into the well, whole thing where you're playing a game of each at the same time and it keeps swapping you back and forth. Well, so that's that's the thing is like I, I tried it out for the first time last night. I had some free time. I was like, I should probably try this game out. <laughs> and I immediately did the the uh, mixed mode. Oh, yeah. It, that's yeah, nice I was if like, you've oh, got no fuck, what did I do? It. Yeah. The campaign is pretty good at easing you into it. If if you just go through that campaign, you'll 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 have a pretty good feel for it. But it's mm. that, that's still a lot if you've not played those games before. Right. Yeah, it's it's something that like I tried it out a few few matches. And I was like, nope. And then I went into like the the training, and I did some of the training, and then I just played Puyo Puyo last night. And um, yeah, I was I I did normal, and then I was doing it with items. And the items one was fun, but god damn was it rough. It was tough. Yeah. Rough and tough. Taihan desne. Muzukashi desne. For all you fucking weebs out there. You're a fucking weeb. Hajime mash. Say hajime mash? It's hajime mashte. No, I know it is. I like to not finish it. It's funnier. Oh, okay. Yeah, because then the weebs are like, I just did. Everybody gets so upset, and I just, like, it's called Japanese mumbling, you little bitches. I do it all day at work. Oh, dear that lord. Actually, that was the hardest thing. I can't remember if I told this story or not. I know I've talked about living in Spain, but anyway, if you take a Spanish class anywhere in North America, they're going to teach you South American Spanish for or, or Central American. Basically, you know, because obviously... Nine times out of ten, you're going to want to talk to somebody from, you know, this half of the world right? in Spanish. So I learned that before moving to Spain. And uh, they've got a similar situation to, uh, it, you know how England thinks they speak English, but they, they, they don't really because they've managed to fuck it up between, you know, colonizing America and then... I mean, it's not really done much other than trying to make Ireland's life as miserable as possible since then. But o- other than fucking up their own language since then, but then they 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 think they think they still speak English. That's right. kind of what Spain has been doing in the meantime. They uh, 
One of their princes had a horrible lisp, and in order to make them feel better about themselves, the entire country decided, we're going to lisp. And if you, uh, at least at least the southern half of the country, I, I, I'm not going to speak for the whole thing. There are probably parts of Spain that don't lisp, but uh, I, I, I lived right outside of Sevilla, which was the capital for a long time before Madrid. And uh, lisp, lisp capital. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, everyone lisps because that was the, you know sociable thing to do at the time because we can't make the prince look bad for having a lisp everyone lisps and then on top of that you cut off the ending to almost every word Mm. and that was the most confusing thing to have learned what I thought was Spanish and then moved to Spain and and try to speak that you can figure it out from context Yeah, it's kind of like I know know why you're saying that because it's a little bit similar in Japanese as well you know like yeah, like yeah. when people are first like reading Japanese, they think you say desu, but it's des. Yeah. And well, there, yeah, there, there are a couple regions where you still say, you know, the the ending. Well, Ooh. there are a couple situations but, in regions, yeah. yes, but for the most yeah. part, no. That, that that's more of a dialect thing than a what you're supposed to do everywhere. Who's to say what we're supposed to do? Uh-huh. For example, flag codes all hung up on destroying the flag, but do you know it doesn't say anything about eating it? It doesn't even come up. Hmm. Are you referencing the thing that you posted to us earlier? <laughs> yeah. I should I really catch up on chat here. You should. You should. But um, Puyo Puyo Tetris has been fun. I need to get more into it. Um, yeah. Taiji, you wanted to say a few final things about that, Josh, so let me uh, extend the floor to you. Um, I was extremely high on this game last week. It is a The Witness-like that I've talked about. Um, Although I was really hung up on the final puzzle for, uh, you know, the the ruins area that has a bunch of puzzles on pillars. Mm. Um, They done fucked up with the last puzzle in that zone. I thought I was just not figuring it out well enough I finally just broke down and looked it up it is wrong the last puzzle in this area is wrong it does not follow the rules they set forward for the entire rest of the area um, and you can figure out that they're not following all the rules because it's pretty obvious that there's that the puzzles are not mirrored for this last area because they they can't be. You're given that right off the bat. Oh, they can't be mirrored. But they intend you to just be like, oh, no, the whole thing's not mirrored at this point. And instead, I saw, oh, it's not mirrored. There must be a different rule that I've internalized the wrong way and think that everything's mirrored. Mm. It's not. It's this one puzzle is different. And that's complete fucking bullshit. You, you, you can't do that. There has to be a consistent rule set if you're doing logic-based puzzles. Right. Like, that's, that, that's a non-starter, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you can't do this. You can't just have the final puzzle in an area. Like, if, if, you, if, that's, if that's a feature that the rules change, maybe. Like that's, or that you rewrite the rules, something like 
Baba is you. Oh, I've got completely different context for these rules now. That's cool. This game has not been doing this. This has been a very straightforward, we'll give you the rules. The, the whole point of this game, uh, the whole point of The Witness, is to internalize what the rules are. You, you have to intuit it. Uh, you're never given a tutorial that tells you this is how this thing works. You are given puzzles that have completely abstract symbols on them that don't mean anything on their own that you have to then figure out what they mean. Try a puzzle, see if it works. Okay. Um, that's, that, that's how this works. It is, it is a matter of finding a consistent rule set that allows you to function. You can't then also change the rules. That's, that's not how this type of puzzle works. Right. Um, Those were the rules. Yeah. Um, They're supposed to be. And that's, that's bugged the fuck out of me, because I worked on that puzzle for days trying to find a new paradigm that actually made this thing work, and it doesn't. Um, and I really think they should patch it so that this zone and this set of rules works. Like, I, I'm normally not for saying you need to fix this in a game. This is an outlier. If this is the type of game you're making it has to actually have consistent logic because mm. the whole point of this game is to poke and prod at it until you can actually create that worldview. That's kind of, that's, that's the point of this type of game is in right. order to figure out kind of through, you know, the scientific method, try this thing, try a slightly different version of this thing to see if it still works in order to nail down what the rule set actually is. And then to have it just change can't happen. Into a truck. Yeah. So that, that has bugged the crap out of me, and I have kind of not kept playing it since then. Once I looked up that and found out that the rule set just isn't consistent. Um, you did right. a big sad. And this, and that, so far, this has been the only case of that. I don't have any suggestion that they're going to keep doing this in the future. Because this was kind of a one-off puzzle thing. It's not like a new symbol that is then incorporated into every other type of puzzle that you're seeing. Mm. It was just like a random thing. That yeah, it was like just it was a random to trip thing. You up. But exactly. But it, it, it was such a time sink on my part trying to make this logically work and then finding out, no, there is no way I could have. I wasted my time doing this, trying to find how this could work, because it can't work. It's just a matter of, oh, you get to this area, you had two rules as kind of as a logical construct for how you do this. The solution to this one is just throw away one of them. It's not f tweak it, find out how to make it work consistently. It's just, oh, you're in a new puzzle, one of the rules doesn't work, don't use it. Only use the other rule. Yeah, that's I, not acceptable. To be honest with you, when I when I'm struggling on a puzzle, yeah, in a game, it's more often than not I'll just go look up the solution because at that point I don't know is it a glitch? Is there a known issue? 
or is it just yeah. I'm stupid and or it's just I can't figure it out right now. And I yeah. have no qualms with looking it up because of shit like this. Not saying that this shit happens commonly because it doesn't, but yeah. I don't I don't want to sit there and beat my head against something for like an hour only to find out that there's been a glitch. Because that's but an hour yeah, I'll never get yeah, back. Exactly. And that, that, and that's kind off. of a that that that's that's my that those are my feelings on a puzzle game. It has to be consistent. There has to be um consistent if it's a logic puzzle game exactly like if if there's like a minor you know programming issue whatever that's 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 not the same thing as just all of a sudden throwing away half of the logic that you've been using on the like that's that yeah anyway so i i want to get back to it because i think this is just a one-off because this is one of the more pay attention to the environment type puzzles and frankly even the witness had a couple puzzles that were kind of bullshit like this whenever you were looking at the worlds especially with regards to oh look at the leaves and figure shit out some of those weren't were not they, they required some leaps in logic to to actually come to a solution um so yeah, like I'm, I'm. It, it's not outside the realm of what has been done in this before, and you mm. know. So I'll probably yeah. get back to it at some point because I've I've enjoyed everything else about it. But that just kind of left such a bitter taste in my mouth, having wasted that amount of time on something. Understandably, that so. I could not have figured out. So sure, that's fair. Yeah, and in the world. We want to be fair. So that's what we say. Mm -hmm. Mm. Speaking of that's what we say, we say our Patreon shoutouts at the end of every month. Uh, Give thanks for those of you who donate your hard-earned money and your time to support us. Uh, We are forever grateful. So we want to say our special Patreon shoutouts right now. So special thank you to Sandwich, Bernadette, Cy, Beefy Gamers, Josh L., the Zalbi, Tawny, Amber, and for the second month, greatest name I get to read out, Frederick Pussy Whiskers. Thank you to each and every <laughs> one of good. you for uh, supporting us. It means the world to us. Thank you. Um, it allows us, like I said, to make additional content and uh, keep the lights on here. Uh, we are completely listener supported and funded. So thank you so, so much. Um, mm-hmm. We appreciate it. And, uh, we love you. We love you so deeply. We don't so say that to just everybody. Hmm. We don't. We don't. I don't even say that to the three glory holes I frequent. Well, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to talk to them. That's part of the deal. Yeah. Oh, okay. that's, I mean. We live in a society. Kind of depends how high and low of- the wall goes. Attached to mm. said hole, what the rules actually are, but dealer's choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyways, we are going to end the show. It is a shorter one. That's kind of been the uh, trend recently, but uh, we're gonna continue that trend, and we're gonna get the smell out of here. I want to say thank you to. Oh, sorry, you don't like that too, Rich. Just finish the fucking show. How about you make me? I can't. <laughs> I want to say thank you to Rich we- and Josh for being here. I love you guys. Both of you. Both of you. Uh, I want to say thank you to the fans for listening oh, to the show. 
I want to say thank you to the Patreons. Speaking of all of that, if you want more content from us, I almost forgot. You know, it was an off week last week. Head over to swordchomp.com where you have access to more podcasts. We have three other podcasts we do. You can check them out. We have an article section where we write reviews and think pieces and the occasional guide. Uh, You can check those out. We also have a merch store where you can uh, buy some sweet-ass threads and rep your favorite podcast, which is probably not us, but, you know, you can still rep us anyways. Uh, We would appreciate it greatly. And last but not least, if you want to support us, head over to patreon.com slash swordchomp. And by support, I mean financially, because it helps us keep the lights on here. But uh, all that out of the way, thank you so much for being here. Uh, We will see you next week for an all brand new episode of the Chompcast. Be safe out there, take care of one another, and take care. And as one wise man always said, So that's what we say. (laughs) 